Let's talk about Florida State having the top odds right now to join the SEC out of all other college football teams. It goes in the ranks of plus 125 for Florida State, plus 200 for Clemson, fellow ACC team. And then it goes through a couple more with UNC plus 450, Virginia 750. And then it goes Virginia Tech. I thought this was pretty interesting. Miami's all the way at plus 800. Hey guys, it's Terrence Nan. You're listening to Hear the Spear presented by No Game Day. Go Dose. Hey, what's up? This is Peter Ward, aka Dub, in the house. So we're listening to Hear the Spear presented by No Game Day. Go live, go nose. Hi, this is Charlie Ward, and you're listening to Hear the Spear. Go nose. This is Terrell Fuckley. You're listening to Hear the Spear presented by No Game Day. No bloody. But perhaps better known as the greatest corner to ever step on a football field, Deion Primetime Sanders. The great Deion Sanders, my brother. What's going on, man? I, I could wake up to that greeting every day, man. That was awesome. Hello, those fans. This is former Seminole Derek Brooks, and you're listening to Here's the Spear, presented to you by No Game Day. James Wilder, Jr. What's going on, James? Thanks for having me on. SSOD, Florida State or Die, and go Nose. William Barnon Floyd. Gentlemen, what's up? What's happening, guys? This is Logan Robinson from Here the Spear, presented to you by NoGameDay.com. We are here live after a good week break. Not much we missed, but we do have a few things that we're going to be going over in this podcast. We had a nice little break. BZ was a little sickly. There's storms left and right in Tallahassee. Dustin's power is going out. <laughs> I have a lot of stuff with the Buccaneers going on. So it allowed us to have a little break, but that means that we've got a quite a bit of stuff to go through some quick hitters and a little bit of content but with me this evening is austin Vizi, our lead basketball writer at nolgame.com at the top and then at the bottom delu his power just came back on so uh he's our for the podcast just in just in time for the podcast i did it just for you and for us our listeners great timing you feeling better vz i'm getting there if i sneeze or sniffle don't make fun of me please Hey, make sure you hit that mute button. Make sure you hit that. Button. <laughs> I'm going to try, but there's no, there's no guarantees. <laughs> nope, not at all. But, um, yeah, we had a nice little week break, but we've got a few things we're going to be going over this evening, including newcomer interviews. We're going to talk some Destin Hill. And after his first interview talking to the media, I thought there were some interesting things he was talking about. Also, Keon Coleman. And then we're going to jump into some recruiting Dustin's going to give us some thoughts after the elite camp. He was out there at Doak while it was raining. So interested to get a good perspective of what he was seeing out there that entire afternoon. Uh, then we've got Luke Krummenhock. He's going to be, he just actually arrived at the elite 11 competition. So we'll maybe just jump on that just for a second. And then we're going to talk Jeremiah Smith, the number one 2024 wide receiver. He is currently a Ohio, Ohio state commit but he will be visiting Florida State on June 20th, so we'll discuss that. We're going to talk Florida State and having the best odds, the top odds right now, to land in the SEC, and then we'll finish it off with a little bit of Dalvin Cook free agency as we've been covering that pretty heavily after his release from the Minnesota Vikings. Poor Austin VZ. It'll be okay. But it won't be. <laughs> before we get started, make sure you guys hit that like button if you're on YouTube right now. and definitely appreciate it a ton if you do that. Also, we're on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify for all you audio listeners. So make sure you subscribe over there so you get notified every time we release a new episode. We've got tons of YouTube com 
content going out along with Brian Stork's Calculated Chaos episodes. A lot of stuff going on on YouTube for you guys throughout this offseason. So I appreciate all of y'all hanging out with us. And let's get started, guys. Uh, let's jump into some newcomer interviews. D. Lou, I know that you and Tommy were in attendance for a few of these, but of course the number one that we all wanted to hear from and like see in person, I still have not seen him in person. Dustin, have you seen him in person yet? He's real. You know, I was trying to make sure it wasn't a hologram or anything. I did try to dap him up. He refused the dap up. So, I mean, maybe that's, I'm, I'm just <laughs> I'm surprised you know what Even... a dap up is. <laughs> I'm just kidding. He's a, he's a real person, at least from my point of view, you know, I still want to see him walk through, uh, those doors at the practice field whenever we get up to uh, fall camp time. So, I mean, that that's quickly approaching. But, you know, as, as we'll get into here, Logan, with you talking about the interview, but, you know, he's already jumping headfirst into these workouts with the team, getting back on the field a little bit. Sounds like he came into Florida State in pretty good shape. And, I mean, is here ready to compete and maybe assume some type of role as soon as this upcoming season. Yeah, Destin was talking about it during his newcomer interview, saying that he feels like he's in great shape, uh, which is something that was highly discussed before he arrived in Tallahassee, just because he hasn't played ball in a couple of years. So you were kind of just kind of get a good idea of what he looked like and just to hear from him and, and specifically feeling like he's uh, in the best shape in a while is really good to hear. And, you know, you see a few photos of him out there practicing and such. He definitely does look like he's in, in, in solid shape. But a few things that I noted here from the interview, just starting off, he said, it's an amazing, it's amazing. I'm proud of what the team has done over the last two years. Like I've been saying, um, I can't wait to contribute and give what I have to offer. Uh, getting with greedy just made the transition easier. It's a fam familiar face, a real familiar face, not even just greedy, but the whole team, they showed love. I feel welcome to Tallahassee and I'm ready to go. He also said at the end of his interview, I'm glad that it, that it evolved the way it did. And I'm waiting to see how we all play and how we all contribute to the program. And I'm ready to see it. So this guy wants to come in and compete right away and with the talents that we all saw him have in high school there's a really good chance that we could see a little bit of Destin Hill I think early on I expect probably still a red shirt but this is a really specially talented player and it's someone that we're going to keep a close eye on as we get into fall camp if he returns to form that he was in high school I mean this guy is truly the limit here and as he said I mean he's been working out at Edna Carr over in Louisiana, continuing to prepare for this opportunity to, to get to Florida State. And like you said with that quote, I mean, this program looks a lot different than the program that he signed to two years ago. You know, everyone remembers Mike Norvell coming off that first year, three and six, and then they go 2021, five and seven, and then come back this last year with the 10 and three campaign. So, I mean, you see the upward trajectory that Florida State has been on. You know, Destin obviously wanted to come in in that tribe um, 21 class and make an instant impact to that. But now instead, you know, he joins where the process is a little bit further along, but I mean, he's still just a true freshman coming in, has four years of eligibility remaining to make an impact in Tallahassee. I mean, it sounds like that's what he's planning to do. Not everyone can take two years off and come back to a better situation. Like that doesn't happen often in college football. Now he's got a, it's not the same receiver room. He even joined two years ago. It's a much deeper, mm -hmm. much more talented unit. If he can crack that rotation or break in just a little bit early on, that's a it's a really telling sign because he's a talented kid. 
Seems like he's got a lot of close relationships too. I mean, we already know about Greedy Vance and them playing in high school together, but to see also Jordan Travis, he talked about Jordan Travis playing a pivotal role in the transition of going from high school and what he was going through family-wise to getting to Florida State, getting his college courses. He said Jordan Travis was a guy that really helped lead him and has been someone kind of holding his hand, getting him adjusted to the college lifestyle slash getting adjusted to the program that Mike Norvell, Coach Storms are are doing because right now it's heavy and workouts heavy and lifts. And for a lot of guys, this is a whole, this is a big wake up call for them, but for Destin to come in and say, Hey, I'm feeling good. I've adjusted well to these workouts, say a lot about him, his determination and taking care of his body. And uh, it was good to see him kind of go and clear that from a lot of the question marks that some of the fans were asking before he came to FSU officially. Yeah. And as well as that relationship with greedy, you've got to be wondering how familiar him and Keon uh, are with one another, with both those guys being uh, wide receivers from the state of Louisiana out of that uh, 2021 recruiting class. So got to wonder if there's some familiarity there. But I think we've said it before, you know, it really says a lot that Destin Hill was able to, you know, stay on the right track during this process and make it to Florida State. And then also on the other side, Florida State's coaching staff continuing to hold on to this rope, despite there being, you know, hurdle after hurdle, a couple of different times where it was reported that Destin Hill would be arriving and then he didn't and it was delayed a little bit longer. Four State's coaching staff really stuck with this one to make sure that Destin Hill eventually arrived in Tallahassee. And I think it says a lot about Mike Norvell, um, Coach Yak, Coach Dugans. And I mean, just the commitment that they made to making sure that Destin Hill did make it to Tallahassee. I mean, obviously this is a guy who was the crown jewel, jewel of that 2021 class and the highest rated recruit in that cycle for Florida state, but you know, it's, it's been two years and Florida state's coaching staff, they stayed committed. They kept a roster spot available for them. And, you know, we're going to see for both parties now, if this move does work out. I think y'all brought up a good point too, of the wide receiver room getting a whole revamp and he's coming into that to have to compete. But one thing that we have to point out though, is he's going to be utilized outside of that. And I think in special teams, you look at the punt return, you know, that's kind of still an open competition for whoever can take that role after Micah Pittman entering the transfer portal and finding his new home. But that's going to be an option for Destin to go in and compete and potentially get, you know, either a backup job to that or, you know, potentially be a starter. But I think there's, that's a question mark that we'll be covering pretty heavily going into fall camp. Um, special teams a big part in what Mike Ravel and that entire staff want to do and they found some success last year and just you know had a reliable player back there with Micah Pittman but if Destin can come in and we see him improving there as a punt returner we could see him we could see number seven getting some playing time back there it'll be something to watch for sure Florida State definitely gonna exhaust all of their options as they try to re uh, replace Micah Pittman, like you said. I mean, very solid for Florida State. We've all pretty much gushed on about the impact that he was able to make on that special teams unit last year. I mean, really bailed Florida State out of uh, some really tough times on that punt return unit. And, you know, that's that's going to be an underrated aspect that Florida State's going to need to get right before that season opener against uh, LSU. You could argue it's the biggest question mark on the team right now. You know, even with safety and linebacker we've talked about in the past, at least they have – some answers. We really don't know what's going to happen at punt return because, as you guys mentioned throughout spring, there were some drop balls, a lot of rotation, seeing who could do it, who could not. I think it, I think it's the biggest biggest question mark, honestly. 
During that day as well, during newcomer interviews, we heard from Keon Coleman, the Michigan State wide receiver transfer. Uh, one quote that I wanted to point out from him, talking about you know why he picked Florida State specifically. And I think we all discussed that we thought maybe Jordan Travis, and that's definitely played a big role in it. But I thought it was a pretty interesting quote, starting with first, just the culture that they've been building over the last few years. They kept the recruitment out of high school. They were recruiting me pretty hard. They have a great quarterback, great receiver room, and most of all, I love the coaching staff. They got 90% of the team coming back this year, so we got a chance to do something very special, and I just want to be a part of that. Uh, He also talked about goals and, you know, even for his personal goals, but leading more into a postseason run that Florida State could be viable for this upcoming season, saying, I mean, everybody wants to win and everybody wants to make big plays for those teams that's going to win. Competing for the national championship, that's the ultimate goal. So, you know, a lot of things that went down during this recruitment for Florida State, but it seemed like relationships and Jordan Travis really played the biggest role. But I think it's pretty key to listen to this and say, you know, he he's really – pushing to make a run here with Florida State and and reach that ultimate goal, which is a national championship, reaching that ACC championship, pushing into the playoffs for the first time since 2014 for Florida State, and then, you know, trying to get that national championship opportunity. But uh, I thought that was a pretty good quote from Coleman. I was uh, really impressed with his interview. I think you can just tell – um, kind of the confidence that exuberates from him. And then you can also just see that mindset, you know, getting to hear from him a little bit. I mean, this is truly a guy coming in with a business mentality. You know, he wants to spend the next six months or so in Tallahassee helping out Florida State. And like you said, maybe reaching the uh, the college football playoff, maybe the national championship if everything goes correctly. And then he wants to make that leap uh, to the NFL and, and go get paid. So, I mean, he's really – he's coming in to work and – it was even more impressive, you know, hearing him talk about how deep Florida State's wide receiver room, but that competition between everybody in that room is just going to make the the sum, the whole uh, the whole group better um, moving forward. So, I mean, just to have a guy like that who made so many plays for Michigan State last year, joining a room that already has Johnny Wilson, Kentron, uh, Winston Wright. I mean, the list kind of goes on and. Also, with what you have at tight end and running back as well, all the experience on the offensive line. Um, another weapon for Florida State in that offense, and it was just even more exciting to kind of hear Keon Coleman describe why he chose Florida State and that mentality, like I said, that he's bringing in. It was a great quote, and it even touched on what we talked about when he first entered the transfer portal was his relationship with the coaching staff and how it's such a similar staff from when he was still in high school being recruited by these same guys. And for him to enter the portal and have a very similar staff to what was there, you know, it makes sense that that's what he brought up in his interview. And he's going to bring a lot of fun, a lot of excitement to this offense. I think we're all looking forward to that. With a high chance of being a leader for this team, too. I was watching some of the video from the climb on YouTube and just seeing how well he's kind of already integrated with the team. He's got great relationships there. That's just something that Mike Norvell does a fantastic job on evaluating on the field talent, 
but also making sure that mixes well and meshes with his current state of the team, the program, the culture. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you, you can just tell that these guys get along immediately. Definitely. We saw it too, Dustin, just some chirps during his visit, you know, things just going well, like it was just kind of felt like home for Coleman and he already had those relationships. So, you know, there's not much of a surprise from hearing these things from his interview, but uh, you know, just field on the field wise, it's going to be fun watching what Mike Norvell is going to be able to do with him and just watching both Destin Hill and Keon Coleman, two players that we didn't get to watch in the spring. Dustin now adding that to the arsenal on offense with Jaheim Bell, Jordan Travis, Trey Benson, like Johnny Wilson. What What's going on here, man? Like what's it's gonna, happening? <laughs> it's going to be a lot of fun. I mean, just mismatched nightmares all over the place for Florida State, no matter where you're looking on offense. Uh, defenses, they're going to have a lot of decisions to make during the fall. Do we double-team this guy and maybe leave this guy open? You know, do we double-team that guy and this guy gets open? Florida State, I mean, you know, the rich get richer. That was what Greg McElroy said whenever Florida State added Keon Coleman. I think that's the perfect description. I mean, just another weapon and an offense that is already loaded with them. And I mean, I think at this point, it'd be, it's it's fair to say it, it'd be it'd be a disappointment if Florida State doesn't have a top five offense in the country this upcoming season with everything they have coming back and everything they have coming in. Norville's gonna have a ton of fun designing plays and designing ways for to get these guys the ball. You know, whether it's Jaheim Bell lined up in the backfield or out wide or as a tight end or moving a guy like Toffili out wide instead of being in the mm -hmm. backfield, he's gonna have a ton of fun with these guys. And yeah. to your point, real quick, Logan, on leadership for Keon Coleman, taking that leadership role, you know, during that during that same portion of interviews, true freshman wide receiver Goldie Lawrence spent some time at the podium, and he was asked if there's any, any guys helping him make that transition to Florida State, and he singled out Keon Coleman as a guy that's already in his ear, helping him uh, adjust to the college level, and I think that says a lot with both of them just getting here within the last couple of weeks. I mean, Keon Coleman – not missing a beat. And, you know, like I said, he's coming in to compete, uh, build a role and, and have a heck of a year. I think that's a great, great point there, Dustin. Goldie Lawrence and the relationship that he's already built, having that guidance from a dude that, you know, just got here. And, you know, he has that veteran leadership with him. He's got the experience and being able to allow Goldie to kind of lean on him and get that kind of transition going on the college side. But I just think it's unique that literally Coleman just got here and he's already doing that. So yeah. it just goes to show, like I was talking about earlier, just how Mike Norvell works things and the culture and what he's trying to, what he's trying to build, what he's built now, I guess we can say, and making sure these guys have relationships and strong ones off the field and have leadership and accountability. So, and that, that leads into wins on the field. We talked about that with Terrence Brooks during his time at Florida State. He saw that development year by year by year, and accountability was one of the biggest things and having those relationships and strengthening those. So, uh, yeah, that was that's a really good point there. Uh, let's jump into – if you guys want to go look at some more newcomer interviews, a lot of those are on nolgameday.com, so make sure you guys go jump over there. All of the newcomer interviews are there as well. And then we've also got four more – tomorrow uh i don't know who we got samson i believe tomorrow, kj samson you got dylan brown turner ashlyn barco or ashlyn barker and andre <laughs> Otto. sorry i got those tongue -tied. barco <laughs> Motto. barco what up baby um but yeah so we'll be covering those four interviews tomorrow i think you and tommy will be at those if i 
Dude. Tommy will be there. My dog has to get groomed at twelve thirty, so I will be virtually You'll be, there. You'll be virtually, but not gotcha, there. gotcha. Um, but yeah, so guys, make sure you're following us at Null Game Day on our Twitter account, and along with Dustin, Tommy, and I, and we got you guys covered on the interviews. If not, nullgame.com. A little bit later, we'll have the stories up for y'all. Uh, let's jump into some recruiting, Dustin. This was a busy weekend for you. I believe Tommy was also out there as well, but y'all got rained on. This seems to be just a repetitive thing going on in Tallahassee. We're definitely in the summer. It is summertime. June, you get two, at least two thunderstorms a day minimum. And it decided to hit during the elite camp, which kind of stinks. But you still got to be in Doak a little bit. Had some good, really good talent in town, Dustin. How'd it go? How was the atmosphere? What were the vibes like? Yeah, I mean, you should see the 10-day forecast in Tallahassee right now. It's not pretty. But at the same time, it hasn't rained the you know, the last three days. It says it's going to rain, and then it's like, actually, no, it's going to be 20 minutes later, 20 minutes It's going to wait so until you'll have a camp. It's going to wait until you have to go back out there to the moor. Man, Lee Camp and Doak, you know, it was a lot of fun. Of course, I didn't like getting soaked, but – know getting to watch some of these guys compete some of the top players at their respective positions and their respective classes definitely a good time to just just kind of see how talent stacks up with one another i will say i think my favorite part was getting the blue raspberry snow cone at the end shout out mike norvell Um, (laughs) of course it was of course it was they brought in food food into it they brought in a snow cone truck and you know i waited for my turn and then i got in there and got a snow cone and got out so it was nice. Mike, Mike, hand you that or how'd that work? No, but I mean, I'm sure, you know, it was his idea to get the snow cone truck. To give it there. to you. Okay. Got it. Got it. Yeah. I mean, they ordered enough ice for, there's still, still, to, still some left for me to have. So I, I will say that. we do utilize some of the staff's uh, hookups. I mean, we did go to the bowl game and I'm pretty sure you and I were the only media member to roll ride on the roller coasters. I will say that. With we were Venables, yeah. Good time. We'll take advantage of any kind of opportunities, free opportunities. Dustin and I will do that. So just giving a little warning to Florida State staff. But it was a huge weekend for Florida State. A ton of talent in Tallahassee across the 2024, 2025, and 2026 classes. I mean, really – I would say the 2025 in particular, the group that they had on campus was absolutely ridiculous. Multiple five stars, um, three different th- prospects that are currently committed to Georgia that Florida State is working to flip, which, you know, I thought it's crazy that they're able to get all those guys here on campus at once. And then, I mean, just going through the workout, you know, Luke Cromenhawk looked awesome out there. Some other guys, Cam Davis and Makai Danzi. Davis obviously committed to Florida State. Makai Danzi, a running back that Florida State would like to add alongside Davis in this 2024 class. Both of them had some ter- terrific moments out there. I don't know if you guys saw, but Danzi actually apparently he's the uh, the second faster second fastest 200 meter um, dash runner in the world, which is absolutely crazy. You know, just down the street over at Florida High, a local talent, Florida State working hard to get him in the fold. Um, you had four-star wide receiver commit B.J. Gibson back on campus. The connection between him and Croman Hawk out there was just absolutely unbelievable. Um, had a pair of reps where they connected back-to-back for touchdowns. One of them was B.J. Gibson heavily covered by a defender, and Croman Hawk just dropped a perfect dime over the shoulder right in the breadbasket for a touchdown. So, I mean, those two look phenomenal. 
Um, five-star wide receiver Jamie French, a teammate of three-star quarterback commit Tramel Jones in that 2025 class. Both of them were out there having some nice connections as well. You had five-star tight end Landon Thomas back on campus. And, I mean, the kid just looks the part. And, I mean, he makes it look easy out there. He didn't really do a lot of competing on Saturday during the elite camp, but he was on uh, campus last Wednesday for the seven-on-seven camp. And, I mean, man, just dicing kids up, contested catches – is it just like really his athleticism? I feel like he's a guy that has like a wide range. He's got long arms and like watching some of the photo or videos that you were posting and just like you were saying in the red zone just looked simple. And, I, and, and, and there were good coverage. There was, there was players, there was kids out there with some good coverage on him, but it just looked like another day at the office for him. He's just that modern day tight end that has that blend of receiving ability and also is a good enough blocker to get by. I mean, that's something he's going to have to improve on at Florida State. But as far as his receiving ability, I mean, mixed with that blend of size and athleticism and just his ability to go up in traffic and make contested catches, it's like nothing. nothing's really phasing him out there. It doesn't matter if he's got a defender on his back, on his hip, whatever, just going out there mossing kids. Um, so he had a pretty – Pretty good showing. Um, Elias Williams, one of the guys I was talking about, committed to Georgia 2020, 2025, five-star tight end. Looked absolutely ridiculous. I mean, just out there mossing kids during the elite camp. That's someone Florida State needs to get in that 2025 class. And then I'll go to another tight end, 2026, Kendra Harrison, who's already about 6'7", 220. Another kid. This is the first time I've seen him in person. Just, just ridiculous. Some of the tight ends that Florida State has coming up in these – um, classes the next couple of years, if they're able to land some of these guys. I mean, you're looking at – we saw what the tight end position was the last couple of years for Florida State. It could be a complete revolution um, in Tallahassee at that position if it all works out. And, I mean, just some other guys to mention, you know, five-star defensive end, a pair of five-star defensive ends, Jared Smith and Zion Grady, both back in Tallahassee. They've been to Florida State multiple times this year i mean they both looked apart for 2025 prospects and um you know cameron coleman guy who's getting a lot of buzz right now to florida state five-star wide receiver he looked pretty good as well but i mean for the most part you know there were some guys that definitely separated themselves out there at that elite camp and most of them are guys at florida state is already involved with and one other one i can't miss 2026 wide receiver legacy prospect um devin carter man that kid has some potential. I think you're looking at a probably future top 100, maybe top 50 prospect. I mean, kid. Got the genes? He's got the genes and, I mean, the ball skills, the athleticism. He was making seniors, rising seniors and rising juniors just look silly out there. And, I mean, this this is a kid who's going into his sophomore season. Mm, 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 mm. Man, Yeah. Uh, jeans right there, legacy guy. Florida State uh, had some good luck there. If he's over there performing pretty damn well that young. I was looking at a Tramel Jones, Florida State's 2025 uh, quarterback commit to mm-hmm. Dustin, doing quite a bit of recruiting. I was reading y'all's article about him, about a few names that he's going after, and, and included in there is that number one tight end in the 2025 class, Ellis Williams. Uh, yeah, I like seeing those kind of bell cows show up early. You know, still that 2024 class is, is going to be really prominent and going to be one of the top ones if it continues this way in 2024. But just to see that kind of translate and go on to the next class and already start trying to build some leadership there. And Tramel Jones, how, how did he look? And I saw a few clips here and there, but 
I feel like he's a guy that impressed a little bit during the elite camp. Mm. Someone with, I mean, extremely accurate and strong arm. And I mean, to that point at the end of the workout, you know, everything had wrapped up. These quarterbacks had been throwing for over an hour or so. You had him and Luke Cromanhawk at the 50 yard line and Doak both uh, taking shots, trying to hit the the crossbar over at the goalpost in the end zone. I think if if I'm remembering it correctly, Cromanhawk hit it and then Jones hit it on the next play. So, I mean, just two guys out there competing with one another, two guys that are already very familiar with one another from training together actually at six points in uh, Jacksonville. But, yeah, Tramel Jones, I mean, he looks the part out there on the field, a guy that's still growing into that frame. But, I mean, I was very impressed speaking to him after getting to hear a little bit about his mindset. And like you said, his um, what he's thinking about his thought process, I guess, as he goes into recruiting mode and trying to add some more guys in that 2025 class. Like I mentioned earlier, he's a high school teammate, a five-star wide receiver, Jamie French, who is someone that Florida State is pushing extremely hard for. So it's got to help to have his high school quarterback already committed to FSU and also having the coaching staff come after him very hard as well. But, I mean, Jones, for being a guy that's just a rising junior, I mean, the level of maturity and just kind of the way that he thinks about things, it, it really impressed me. So, I mean, just to already have him and Cromanhawk in the fold, you know, your 2024 quarterback and your 2025 quarterback, I think that really is a huge luxury for Florida State because those are extremely important positions. Like you mentioned earlier, you know, the word bell cow, that usually starts with the quarterback, and both uh, Luke and Tremel have embraced that, and they're taking on big roles to uh, be the faces of their respective classes. What's the schedule for the rest of the month, D. Lou? Are there any players too we don't want to keep a close eye on? I know there's a big visit. We talked about it earlier at the top of the show with Jeremiah Smith, the number one wide receiver, Ohio, Ohio State commit. But uh, what's kind of the schedule for the rest of the month and what Florida State's planning to do visits-wise? Yeah, you still got a variety of camps going on in Tallahassee. It's camp season right now. So, I mean, hundreds, if not thousands of recruits are coming through each week to uh, work with Florida State's coaching staff. And, I mean, that's pretty beneficial as far as uh, future guys. We're seeing FSU put out a lot of offers in the 2025 and 2026 classes, even a couple of 2027s, which, I mean, it just blows my mind that we're already starting to get to that point. But as far as official visits, Florida State set to host um, six more prospects this upcoming weekend, Friday to uh, Sunday. And then you're going to have another guy come in on Monday for an official visit. And that'll go through to next weekend as well. Uh, we've said it before, but, I mean, the 23rd to the 25th is going to be absolutely insane in Tallahassee. You're looking at over double-digit official visitors, if not close to 20. I mean, we'll see how that continues to uh, fill out over, you know, the next 10 days or so. But this upcoming weekend, I mean, it's going to be a, another big opportunity for FSU. You're going to have five-star cornerback Charles Lester in town, four-star safety Xavier Mincy four-star wide receiver B.J. Gibson will be back again for his official visit. Um, four-star cornerback Ricky Knight, three-star defensive lineman Alex January, and three-star defensive back Kevin Levy. So, I mean, six more guys coming in for OVs. The guy I was talking about on Monday, three-star linebacker Michael uh, Boganowski. So, you know, Florida State going to have another opportunity here on the recruiting trail. And 
like I said, that last weekend of the month, it's it's going to be wild. I'm I'm interested to see how it all unfolds and how Florida State's able to give all those prospects the quality time that they're looking for on their respective official visits. But I'm sure they've got a plan in place to uh, pull it off. Man, Charles Lester does love showing a, a lot of love to Florida State and Mike Norvell. Anything that Florida State's posting or if it's about Mike Norvell, he's up there pretty pro Florida State, and I think everybody's kind of just waiting for him to make things official. He's going to be visiting. Uh, you would just like to have him go ahead and call it, and then so he can turn into a bell cow for you for, mm-hmm. uh, to join that class. You know, And it seems like he's already got some rich relationships with the 2024 class already under Florida State's um, class. So uh, you just kind of just – it's like the waiting game, but you're also like, all right, can we get this over with and just move on? I mean, the good thing about him, he's a highly talented player. You're going to get these visits, these opportunities to visit some great schools. Uh, you know, you had a chance of going to, I saw the visit there that he had with Deion Sanders in Colorado, but you know, it's still Deion Sanders. If you're one of the top defensive backs in the country and you have the potential or the opportunity to go visit Deion Sanders, sit down with him, you know, you got to take advantage of that. But, you know, it just seems like Florida State's levels and levels ahead and this recruitment out of every university, but he is going to utilize it and take the opportunities that he should. I mean, I think it was unique when, you know, Carlos was on the show with us as a co-host and, you know, that was a highly 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 touted recruit in his class and you know he was going to pick Florida State but he did say I wanted to go to the west coast I wanted to take advantage of these these different opportunities to go check out these schools get spoiled like no other and you know travel with my family for the you know a, a, a cool thing for them to do as a family is go travel across the country and, and get spoiled like that so I mean that's kind of what Lester's doing a little bit but I think Florida State is just ways ways and ways ahead D. Lou. It's funny. I was going to bring up the exact same point on uh, <laughs> Carlos, you know, already knowing where he was going to go, but making sure to take those visits and take advantage of the opportunity. Cause I mean, these kids are only going to be recruited once in their life, I guess maybe twice if they enter the transfer portal and are still coveted prospects. But I mean, this is something, this is a five-star prospect, one of the top players in the country. I mean, he should take advantage of this and I think he's going to, probably continue to visit places, especially when you think about this new rule set to go into effect shortly where high school prospects are going to be able to take as many official visits um, as they want to programs can only visit once per program, but I mean, can take as many official visits as they want. If I was a highly touted recruit at that point in, in my life, I'd probably be checking out a school every weekend during the fall, you know, schedule permitting. So, I mean, yeah, it just goes, goes back. It's something that these guys are only gonna be able to do one time, throughout their life and, you know, make sure that you're making the right decision. But Florida State, obviously, Charles Lester's Dream School Seminoles have done a really good job recruiting him, not only with the coaching staff, but also with current commits such as uh, Croman Hawk and Cam Davis and, I mean, others reaching out to try and get him in that fold. And, I mean, I would be very surprised if at this point in time he doesn't sign with Florida State. Uh, we kind of talked about a tiny bit here, but Florida state 2024 quarterback commit Luke Romanhawk is going to be competing this weekend at the elite 11. He actually arrived today, but we'll be keeping a close eye on that. We'll have full coverage throughout it. He had a pretty unique quote too. This guy is extremely confident. We had him on our show a couple months ago, along with 
the 2024 wide receiver commit Camden Fryer, but both of them gave us a great interview and it was unique to have both of them on at the same time. But this specifically after this last weekend competing at the elite camp said that, you know, I'm, I'm going, this is a business trip. I'm going to win this thing. And there's some major confidence coming out of Luke Romanhawk. I'm just really interested to see that he's going to be going against the best talent across the country, but I'm just kind of just like, Woo. Okay. Uh, he's, he's, he's bold with it. And there's a ton of confidence there. You don't really see that a whole ton from some quarterbacks, but he, it seems like a guy that continues to develop and get better. You know, he trains a lot too. I believe he trains, does he train in Jacksonville as well? Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. So, you know, this guy is continually, continuously working on his craft first time starting last year too, worth noting, but uh, he's going to go against some really good competition this upcoming weekend. D Lou. Yeah, a lot to like about this kid's um, <clears throat> mentality. And, I mean, just really his development over the last year and change that he's been committed to Florida State, both on and off the field. Um, it's funny because, you know, the question really wasn't even to Luke, like, hey, you know, are you going – what do you – it was just pretty much like, what are you going to do at the Elite 11 finals? And, you know, he just responded, I'm, I'm going out there to win the thing. And we'll see how it works out. Um, getting started tonight, going to go for the next couple of days. And like you said, he'll be competing with some of the top players in the country. I mean, this is a stacked roster. You're talking about Jaden Davis, guy Florida State was previously involved with, who's committed to Michigan, Colin Hurley, LSU commit, DJ Lagway, the five-star Florida commit, um, Dylan Riola, Georgia commit, Julian Sayan, Alabama commit. So, I mean, it's really, I mean – the cream of the crop as far as quarterbacks are at this event. And it would say a lot if Luke Romanock is able to come out on top. I mean, even if he performs as a top five or top three quarterback at the event, it would really help him as he moves towards his senior season. And, you know, Artie is extremely well regarded by most of these recruiting sites. But, I mean, this would just be another step, another chip in the pocket for Luke Romanock. So we'll see how it works out. Yeah, James is asking here. You're kind of alluding to it, D. Lou, but if he does win the Elite Eleven, we'll just give him a fifth star. You know, you never, you never do know. I think it will take. We'll give him an argument for sure. Yeah. Oh, it gives and, a lot of respect. I mean, he's there, already honestly. trending. Yeah, he's already a top fifty prospect on multiple recruiting sites. So, yeah, I mean, a solid showing at the Elite Eleven Finals, and then you know, coming back and having another really good senior season before coming to Florida state, he would certainly have an argument to be up there in five-star category. Uh, last little bit of recruiting here. Let's jump into Jeremiah Smith and his planned visit. This was public, I believe yesterday, but uh, the number one wide receiver in his class, one of the top players, I think top three in that class, current Ohio state commit is going to be visiting Florida State on the 20th. Also, a couple days later, he'll be visiting Miami and then Penn State as well before the end of June. But this is something that I think we've been keeping a pretty decent eye on the last couple, maybe the last month, the last couple of weeks. Uh, Florida State, as we've been talking about in this entire podcast, 2024 class is loaded and they're trying to add even more talent to it as they should. But this is something that we'll be keeping a very close eye on because it seems like 
he's definitely testing the waters at some other universities. I was seeing looking at some other Ohio State outlets uh, before our production meeting earlier this evening and just kind of going through and seeing what they were hearing and, you know, their kind of perspective on what's going on. Some are saying, oh, it's nothing to worry about. Some are like, mm, maybe we should uh, watch out for some of these other schools, including Florida State. But getting that visit is huge. I'm interested to see what Florida State's going to sell there for them trying to make a massive massive flip i mean florida state was able to do that i mean landon thomas he was a guy that was already committed to florida state he went to georgia then he flips back to florida state so that's one kind of scenario but this one going to an ohio state commit wide receiver that that is almost like a wide receiver you over there tons of talent that they are able to develop and then translate into the league it's not going to be easy but i'm interested to see how this visit goes for florida state mike Norvell and what ron dugans ron dugans that hey the donk it's been bumping. How, how far can the donk go, though? <laughs> you have to imagine this is a pretty big opportunity for Florida State. Obviously, the goal here is going to be to hopefully lock down an official visit date for Jeremiah Smith in the fall. But I, I think it says a lot that he's been committed to Ohio State since December, yet is continuing to visit and provide interest to other programs you know it's one thing for a guy like Charles Lester who isn't publicly committed to Florida State to be doing that but to have a guy who's been committed for nearly eight months you know taken looks like I mean at least three official visits to other schools so far maybe four and even more if he uh, chooses to visit FSU I mean this is a guy who is the number one wide receiver in the country obviously every program in the nation wants to uh, flip him if they're able to. But, you know, you have to think Florida State, they – I don't want to say they have a shot here, but if he was to decommit from Ohio State and choose another school, Florida State would be, in my opinion, an attractive option. They're they're already starting to build that pipeline a little bit to Shamadab Madonna, landed Edwin Joseph in that 2023 recruiting cycle, someone who is a close friend of Jeremiah Smith. They continued to recruit JoJo Trader – a five-star athlete in this 2024 class who Florida State feels like they have some pretty good traction with at this time. He's going to probably take an official to FSU during the fall, I would imagine. So, I mean, they're building that pipeline there a little bit. The wide receiver room has continued to improve with production and, I mean, also the talent in that room over the past couple of years. And, I mean, you're just seeing the trajectory that Florida State is on nationally. I mean, this program is getting back to the forefront of the sport, back along the top programs where it belongs. Um, that's going to be very attractive for a guy like Jeremiah Jeremiah Smith if he does back off of his commitment to Ohio State. Already was at Florida State back in March um, with his team. And, yeah, now we'll see if Florida State can potentially land an official visit from Jeremiah Smith. But, I mean, if so, you know, we'll just have to see – what Florida State does. But like you said, Logan, they pulled off um, a pretty high caliber flip here a couple months ago, and they've shown that they'll continue to recruit guys, even though they're committed to other programs. I mean, just look just look last year in that 2023 class. You had Brocklin here over the summer for an official visit. He decided to commit to Ohio State. Florida State continued to kick those tires throughout the season. Um, Tony Tokars, Mike Norvell continued to stay involved, and then, bang, you flip him back from Ohio State last November. So, I mean, the proof is in the pudding. They've done it before. We'll see if they're able to do it again. I'm interested to see, like, 
what's going to go into that for Jeremiah? And I'm specifically thinking about the quarterback position because after this year, obviously we know Jordan Travis is going to be moving on to the league, but you know, what you've got in that stable, you've got Luke in that 2024 class, but you know, just depending if he's uh, comes out gunslinging, wow, he can be a potential backup or a starter. Then that's, that's very rare for that to happen. So you're looking at a Brock Lynn, you could look at, you know, what Florida state's got with Rodemaker, AJ Duffy, you know, I'm just interested. I think that's going to be one of the question marks for maybe Jeremiah and that situation there and maybe you know he's already questioning things at Ohio State so I don't know you know I, I think that will be probably one of the bigger conversations because you got your offensive line that that's now a stable force under coach Atkins you know what you've got there with Tony Tokars as being a good developmental quarterback coach and you know expecting to see that translate again this upcoming season but I, I think that's going to be one of the biggest question marks for him is what does the future look like in 2024 at quarterback and just depends I mean you definitely know what you've got with Croman Hawk but you're not really I don't think expecting him to be an immediate starter once he arrives Um, but you know you would like to see some developmental game come from you know definitely Glenn and then, you know, some of the other guys that have been around the program for a while, depending if they even stay too. So that'll be a discussion that we'll most likely talk about if this commitment continues to be kind of a question mark to Ohio State and Florida State's able to kind of jump in and make this a little bit, a little fun here. We love yeah. fun recruitments with five stars that are number one in their position. I really feel like Florida State, they can also pitch stability here because of, you know, where Mike Norvell and Florida State are at right now. Ron Dugans looks like he's here to stay in Tallahassee for, you know, the the long-term future at this point with what he's able been able to do developmentally and also production-wise with that wide receiver core. And you look over at Ohio State, you know, there's been some mid feelings that Ryan Day hasn't been able to defeat Michigan the last two years. There have been discussions in the past that maybe he can make a leap to the NFL. You know, who knows about Brian Hartline and, and what he wants to do next in his respective career. But as far as stability, I mean, you've got to be looking at Florida State as if I go there for three or four years, my head coach and position coach are probably going to be there for that entire time. I'm not sure if you can say the same thing about Ohio State right now. We'll keep an eye on it. We'll definitely keep a close eye on this one. Uh, let's jump into the last two things we have on the docket. Let's talk about Florida State having the top odds right now to join the SEC out of all other college football teams. It goes in the ranks of plus 125 for Florida State, plus 200 for Clemson, fellow ACC team. And then it goes through a couple more with UNC plus 450, Virginia 750. And then it goes Virginia Tech, I thought this was pretty interesting. Miami's all the way at plus 800. I thought that was a little interesting over like a U, U out of a Virginia and a Virginia Tech, um, even even UNC too, but then the rest are Oklahoma State and TCU, but Florida State heavily ahead of all of the other teams on these odds. But Florida State, you know, we've talked about it a ton. We put out a piece last year on this. You know, we got some good scoop on what Florida State's doing and, and discussing wise as a program, you know, trying to figure out your grant of rights and all that kind of stuff. But 
to go along with now having the odds and a few things here and there and discussions and them having the spring meetings and the ACC trying to change some things around with the revenue and try to make it more appealing for schools to try to stick around and not want to jump, jump ship. It's, it's pretty interesting to watch, but Florida state as the program they are and the money that they bring in, you know, just imagine escalating that of the magnitude of being in the sec that at, at, you know, I'll bring up to I'll bring up uh, the numbers here in just a second because we do have the revenue from last year. But uh, you know, just just think about Florida State and the SEC money wise. It, it's it's kind of kind of crazy to think of what the opportunities could bring to the program. Yeah, I don't I don't think it's any surprise personally that Florida State and Clemson are at the top of the list because I mean if the ACC's GOR was resolved tomorrow. That's probably the conference that both of those two teams would be reaching out to and vice versa, because it only, it just makes sense, especially with the region for both of those teams. Uh, the SEC obviously is already in South Carolina and Florida. So, I mean, to me, it makes sense if you're going to expand, expand in a region that you're already in and you'd be bringing in two of the most competitive programs in uh, the Southeast, especially with where Clemson has been at as of late, it doesn't like they're going to be tailing off much, um, if any, anytime soon. And you bring in Florida State at the right time when they're rising back to be a contender nationally. So this was just posted, I believe. Yeah, this was today from Brett McMurphy uh, and also via the USA Today Sports. Uh, Florida State is ranked 15th. Uh, with revenue and athletic revenue in 2022. Second in the ACC, though. Yep. Second in the ACC. Which, which for, first of all, Virginia being first is crazy. Like, what, what are they doing to be first? <laughs> it's got to be outside of football, basketball, maybe? Uh, no one's willing to watch Virginia basketball outside of Virginia fans. That's a oh, yeah, that's I guess like last year was not good. Maybe they I mean, like, a baseball they, team. They, like they're a decent team. It's just a boring product. Yeah, yeah. Florida State, one hundred sixty-one point one million in twenty twenty-two, and then Virginia right above them, one sixty-one point nine. And you, and you have to think with SEC revenue, you'd, they'd have to be probably top ten around where Florida is around that one ninety mark. Yeah, I would think they would be. Yeah, I could see a jump in that for sure because your top ten goes Ohio State. Texas, Alabama, Michigan, Georgia, LSU, Texas A&M, Florida, Penn State, Oklahoma. Ohio State bringing in a quarter billion last year. (laughs) And and to your point about Miami being lower on the SEC odds, there's a couple people making the point of if Florida State is going to be one of those teams that would be SEC, there's not a conference that's going to want three major teams in the same state because there's a lot of views being split up in the same region. The points to grow the brand, not grow in the same area. That's why, you know, Virginia would be talked about in Carolina and, and those kind of schools. Um, yeah, Clemson's in South Carolina as well, but you can do it with two teams. We've seen that. We're seeing that with ACC now, Florida State, and Miami. You wouldn't see that with three schools, I don't think. Yeah, and we also saw Miami recently get admitted to the AAU, which is um, a very big thing that the Big Ten looks into as far as future members. So, I mean, they might be a better fit there. Yep. Hey, there's nothing better than off-season 
SEC Big Ten talk. Definitely. What, what, what would y'all rather have? Would you rather have Big Ten or SEC or whoever just gives you the most money yearly? I mean, the money's probably about the same, maybe a little bit in the, in the SEC's favor. But, you know, as a basketball fan, I'd rather go to Big Ten venues. You know, there's there's some classic basketball venues when it comes when it comes to basketball between Purdue and Michigan State and even Wisconsin. There, there's a ton of great arenas in college basketball with Kentucky or with the SEC. You've got Kentucky, and then it's kind of about it, at least in my opinion. I can, I mean, I can see the argument both ways. The SEC would make more sense maybe regionally for FSU as far as opponents but then the big 10 i mean it opens up doors to play teams that you don't play very often and i think it could maybe also further the academic prestige of the university as well when you know you look at the tradition that's been established by the programs in the big 10 and i mean i think that's something with uh florida state's current president that's something that he's looking to a lot you know to improve things um academically and for say they've been taking steps in that regard over the past couple of years to continue to improve their standing. And, you know, I think it would continue to help if they did join the big 10, but I can see the argument both ways. I guess I would probably say whoever, whoever agrees to the biggest check. The SEC probably makes more sense as far as travel and, and those yeah. kind of logistics things. Mm-hmm. I just think it'd be more fun in the big 10. That's just me. We'd be cold. We're going to go to a lot of cold games. It won't be yeah, cold, I guess. Florida State might be the spot for Big Ten teams to come in November to get away from the cold. Yeah. Come on down. Might be a heavy heavy road conference schedule early, and then you get them at home late, dodge some mm-hmm. of that weather. Yep. Why not? We do have the heat down here. That is for damn and, sure. And there's a selfish hope where I can see Florida State play Minnesota on a Saturday and then see the Vikings play on a Sunday. But, you know. <laughs> I'd be about it. Sign me up. I mean, obviously, we got a lot of more things to take care of before that option becomes available. But I would like to see a lot of these matchups. I would just kill to just sit on here for a couple of hours and talk about Florida State potentially facing some of these opponents in the Big Ten or SEC, you know, Florida State already does a pretty good job of going into the SEC and facing these teams, as we'll see again to kick off the 2023 season uh, with LSU. But uh, just to see that be on a regular basis instead of, you know, Florida State having to play a Wake Forest now, now that Sam Hartman's gone. I think he's gone. Hopefully he is. I don't know. I don't know if it's really (laughs) – I don't know if it's true yet. But for Florida State to get out of some of these ACC teams that I'm like – I don't give a flying turd about. That would be nice to, you know, have so have a little bit different. But you know what? It's got to probably be a little ways away. So got to be patient. Got to be patient. Uh, let's finish off the podcast talking some Dalvin Cook. VZ, your guy is released. It's over. Yeah. It's done. We had been talking about it for the last couple of months. There had been rumblings about the Minnesota Vikings wanting to open up some cap space. And by doing that, they were going to release Dalvin Cook, and it becomes true. And now the discussion is, where will Dalvin Cook land in 2023? Still one of the most talented running backs in the league. Um, You know, kind of a iffy year last year, but still you can just see the playmaker in him. And keeping Minnesota in some games, saving them in games, that's just what Dalvin Cook does. But 
what are your thoughts, your, your reaction after the Vikings releasing Cook? I mean, it, it, it was bound to happen. I mean, I think in March they took him off the Twitter banner for Alexander Madison. And once that happened, you're like, okay, yeah, he's probably not going to be on the team anymore. Um, you know, at times last season he still showed the burst. He had a Florida State. Like he had the long run against Buffalo to get them back in that game. He had the screen at the end of the Indianapolis game to tie that game up and what was the NFL's biggest comeback ever. So, like, he still shows it, but at the same time, he was well below average in yards expected per run. Um, Minnesota's one of the worst teams in, you know, tackles for being tackled behind the line or tackles right at the line of scrimmage as far as run plays. And when you're paying a running back $15 million for that kind of result, it makes sense to move on for, from it. I love Dalvin. I'm going to miss seeing him in Minnesota, but it was one of those that's due to happen, especially when you have what's likely to become – the largest wide receiver contract in NFL history for Justin Jefferson coming in the next probably couple of months. Mm-hmm. I thought it was, I, mean, I was at a mandatory mini camp today uh, talking with Todd Bowles and one of the reporters asked him, you know, how is it that you don't have to prepare for Dalvin cook in week one, because the Buccaneers go and travel to Minnesota. And he said, well, when one's gone like that, the other focus is on the other one. And I was specifically talking about Justin Jefferson and how difficult it will be to prepare for him because Minnesota is going to build their offense around that talent that they have with that young wide receiver. Like you said, that's going to get a massive contract eventually, but uh, just the talent though, that Dalvin's Dalvin brings and what he can bring to an offense. I, I still think that he's a, is a, he's a starter. He's a starter in someone's, for sure. uh, game plan and what they want to do on offense. This is a starting running back that, you know, is still young, got talent, can really change the game. That's one thing, his explosiveness. He can really change a game. We saw that throughout his career at Minnesota. We saw a little bit last year as well. Uh, some of the top odds, though, right now to land the former FSU running back, the best running back to come through uh, Florida State. Uh, top teams are Dolphins, number one. We'll go in order here. Dolphins, Broncos, Jets, Bills, Cowboys, Bears, Chiefs, Ravens, and the Eagles. Um, the Bills one's pretty interesting because his brother, as we know, James Cook, plays there for Buffalo. So that would also be like a really interesting situation just because of what about if Dalvin doesn't get more reps than his brother? I think that would just be <laughs> That would be a little bit. I don't know. I, I I don't know. I don't. You know. I don't know if that would cause any <laughs> hiccups there. But uh, the Broncos could most certainly use them. Uh, the Jets could go join with Aaron Rodgers. What a what a tandem that would be, man. And what they already have there, running back as well. Yeah, it, Buffalo would be interesting because he's also got a former teammate there in Stephon Diggs, who's mm-hmm. had his own little spat i guess this week i know he's back with the team now but yeah you know he, he sure knows more about that team than most teams i think denver's the most logical landing spot a they have a little bit of money and you have one of the most talented offensive minds and sean payton there you know even if russell wilson doesn't come back to form like he was in seattle that team's due for at least a little bit of a step up and i think that offense could be really really exciting with dalvin in the backfield with javante williams and you have Cortland sutton out wide at jerry judy I think that'd be a really fun team. That might be the move because it sounds like just based on recent comments, Dalvin isn't going to be willing to take much of a pay cut at his next destination. You know, when you look at teams like Miami and Buffalo who are already 
cash strapped. You know, we'll see if they're able to create some room maybe to add Cook if he is interested in going there. But, I mean, Denver makes a lot of sense. I'm very interested to see if maybe he ends up with the Jets and Aaron Rodgers and what they're trying to do there. But, I mean, really this is going to be one of the most coveted free agents in the league right now, especially this late in the summer. There's going to be a franchise trying to get him in for a training camp. And, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how it all works out. Cause like you both have said, I mean, Dalvin still has a ton of talent. I think this is just kind of the perfect storm where he was awarded a very big contract at a time where, you know, the, the, um, how teams perceive NFL running backs is just kind of decreasing right now. You know, they, they're not seeing them. Uh, I, don't, I can't, I'm losing the word in my brain, but yeah, you know they're just they're not, not they're not as important to the game as they used to be, and that's how NFL teams are kind of seeing this situation and other ones around the league as well. You know, you look at Leonard Fournette being cut by the Buccaneers; it's not just a Dalvin Cook thing. Especially with a lot of teams going to, they want to use multiple running backs. They don't want one feature back anymore. They want a lot of guys that can do a lot of different things, and that's kind of what the Vikings are going to do this season with Alexander Madison and. Ty Chandler and Kanea Wongu, they've got a lot of different options that they can display, and they didn't want to give a guy $16 million when they feel like they have talented options for $2 million. Mm-hmm. And the biggest discussion right now is having the ties to Miami for Dalvin and potentially the Dolphins here. I think that's one that everyone's keeping a close eye on, but if you're evaluating money-wise, I think there's some other teams too that can give him some other opportunities. But, you know, I – going back home would be really, really interesting. I, you know, some other teams too. Cowboys is interesting with Pollard there. I just don't see Dalvin where Pollard to me was always, at least last year or so, just was, was better than Ezekiel Elliott. I mean, it wasn't, mm-hmm. wasn't close, uh, just too talented and was a better running back in that room. But, you know, I'm interested to see if he is going to join a tandem like that with, if you do go to the Jets there, you have a tandem. And then Cowboys, um, I can't imagine going to the Chiefs there. It's a low-odd one, but uh, they've got a young running back as well that showed that he is a starter last year. Um, I can't remember his damn name. Pachenko. Yeah, that kid is friggin' fast. Yeah, well, the issue with Kansas City is they have exactly $1 million in open salary cap right now, which, of course, they could move some stuff around, but I don't know if they'd want to do that for you know an aging running back. I know – Dalvin's still around 28, 29 years old, but they were only create space for that when they could use that maybe somewhere else. I think you can cross out Kansas City, some of the other teams that are strapped cap. Tampa Bay is around that same, about 1.3 million. And the mm-hmm. Bills are down there as well, only about 5 million in open space. Everyone else, they could they could squeeze them in. Definitely, yeah. I'm definitely keeping a close eye on the Jets here. I mean, they're, they're kind of going all in mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. But he'd be joining former... FSU defensive end Jermaine Johnson over there, um, and division rival Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, former former rival, and a couple of other Packers players. I think Alan Lazard signed there, right? Yeah. Yeah, Lamarcus Joyner used to be there as well, but now he's a free agent. Is Nasruddin still there? Might I believe be. so. I believe Hams is still Practice over there. Squad. Yeah, still only 24 years old, but yeah, Ham's uh, still hanging around with the 
New York Jets. So we'll see. I'm interested to see that. This, I think this is going to be a discussion we'll continue to have as Dalvin continues to go on a few interviews here and there. Maybe he should just come on here, the spear, and we just get this whole thing figured out. You know, maybe we just do the whole announcement on here. Maybe. That'd be great. Yeah. Much like, uh, what was the Pat McAfee show? They announced, you know, Aaron came on and said that he's going to play for the New York Jets. Why don't we just get Dalvin on here to say, hey, I'm going to the Miami Dolphins, or hey, I'm going to play for the Jets and be with Aaron Rodgers. I mean, why don't we just do that? So, if anybody's, yeah, if anybody's got the number or someone to do that, the contact, let us know. We'll make sure that we take care of that. Uh, but yeah, I think that's going to wrap up the show. Y'all got anything else? You can mention Brian Burns changing his number to zero real quick. Yeah, he's going to zero. zero. I don't like it. Maybe it's um, something yeah. I'll get used to, but I like this number. I like this number with the Panthers. <sighs> I wasn't a big fan either. The graphic was crazy. Like the, the spider graphic they did to announce it was pretty cool. But yeah, I'm just I'm not a huge fan of NFL defensive linemen wearing zero. Maybe mm. it's just me. Yeah, I'm not not a too too big of a fan of that, to be honest. I liked him. I like so you don't like Fabian Lovett's number? I said NFL. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I hate I hate your number. <laughs> <laughs> nah, I, I really liked Brian Burns in the 53, so it'll be something I'll have to get used to, I'm sure, and I'll forget about it once we're a couple games into the season. But, yeah, uh, Brian Burns changing over to number zero. Other than that, I think that's going to wrap up the show. Tom here is asking about some basketball, but nothing really is going on unless you're talking about – They're alive. We, we talk softball. Congratulations to them. I mean, they lost in the national championship, but still the run that they made was – incredible for team 40 and it was fun watching them and so much fun watching softball definitely an fsu softball team it is highly entertaining but oklahoma is oklahoma man that team is damn good and florida state had a tough time hitting the ball in the first game and then had some chances chances in the second but uh, just didn't pull through and that stinks for sure but now that that's over basketball's done hockey's done we are officially now in the most it's the boring time worst part of the year (laughs) it is it is completely dead we are done with all the sports and now we jump into the waiting game of florida state getting ready for fall camp and getting ready for what is going to be hopefully a really fun 2023 season as we get prepped on our own internally getting prepped and so we'll have the best coverage for you guys on our end Uh, i'm looking forward to it so I think that's going to wrap up everything. Everybody enjoy the rest of y'all's week. As always, you can listen to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, YouTube. If you're on YouTube right now and still hanging out with us, there's 50 of you guys. If you guys can smash that like button, oh, that would be amazing. Appreciate it a ton. So uh, thanks, guys, for hanging out with us. We will talk to you guys next Wednesday at 7 p.m. And, uh, yeah, peace.